Good evening. Tonight, I will be bringing you a tale of lies, deceit, sex, and murder. A warning to some listeners that this story is not for the faint-hearted. However, if you, like me, are interested in the darker side of life, listen on. In this story, as you're about to find out, no one is as they seem. Welcome to Grimlock. We begin our tale in a small town on a cold, rainy night. Bearing the rage of the violent storm is the Grimlock Tavern, a bar in town. Behind the bar is Irving, a hard-working, loyal bartender. A man wise beyond his years, he is scruffy in appearance and a favourite among the locals. There are not many customers due to the stormy weather outside, however the few elderly patrons that are there are huddled around a blazing log fire. Suddenly, a man, drenched by the rain, bursts through the bar doors. A tall man, a domineering presence. He too is scruffy in appearance and looks as if the years have not been kind to him. He surveys the room before commanding, Whiskey! On the rocks, neat. Ah, another. As Irving refills the man's glass, the few patrons in the bar glare surreptitiously over their shoulders at him. You in town for long? Maybe. Got a room for the night. <laughs> what, what happened to room 12? It's not available. Your room is upstairs, first door on the left. The next day. The weather has cleared. The sun shines a warm heat on the town, lifting everyone's spirits. Irving is cleaning the bar. Miss Levine, the owner and resident of the tavern, walks down the stairs to the main area. Good morning, Irving. Good morning. It was a rather disturbing night last night. As I lay in bed, I could have sworn I heard the thunder shake the walls of my bedroom. I don't suppose the bar was busy. As quiet as ever, except for one guest. A larger man burst through the door around 11pm, drenched by the rain. He ordered two drinks and downed them in quick succession. He was no longer than five minutes in the bar before he retired to his room for the night. I see. Have you seen him this morning? He was gone and his room was empty by the time I arrived. Irving, you know how small this town is and rife with gossip. Let's not say anything about this strange man to anyone and keep this between us. Miss Levine returns to her room. All the while, Irving cleans the bar and readies everything for the grand reopening of the Grimlock Tavern that night. A short while later, Miss Levine, dressed for the day, leaves the bar to run her errands. Her first stop is the local bank. Hello, I'd like to deposit this money into my usual account. Of course, Miss Levine. Another deposit? Business must be booming on your side of town. I don't know how you do it. Excuse me? Why, not more than an hour ago, a man came in and did the same thing. A tall man, quite brooding and seemed to be in a bit of a rush. He had someone with him, but they waited outside. Said to deposit the money and wasn't even here long enough for me to give him the receipt. And you took the money from this unknown man? Well, yes, madam. You keep to yourself so much I thought you might have sent him to do your business for the day. I'm sorry, should I call over a manager? No, let's not worry about that. Enjoy the rest of your day. Ever the private matriarch, 
Miss Levine hurries about the rest of her duties for the day in a mixture of shock and panic. Who is this man who has suddenly appeared in town? And who was with him at the bank that morning? Later that afternoon, as she strolls back to the bar, she's greeted by Irving. You're back early. I don't have time for small talk, Irving. Are the tables being set like I asked? Of course. And the plates and glasses freshly washed and presented? Yes, madam. What about the bar and hotel guests? Informed they must vacate for the evening? Everything is as you asked, right down to the way the napkins have been arranged alongside the plates. May I ask, is something the matter? No. Everything will go as planned. It can't hurt to check these things from time to time now, can it? And with that, Miss Levine retires to her bedroom to ready herself for the big evening ahead. The invitation-only grand reopening of the Grimlock Tavern. Irving, meanwhile, continues to ready the bar. The mysterious man enters once more. As usual, he seems to be in a rush. Same as last night? No, make it a double. And keep him coming until I tell you to stop. Well, don't get comfortable. The bar is booked tonight and the guests will be walking through those doors at any minute. Maybe that's why I'm here. Sorry? <laughs> oh, nothing. It's just a little joke. Do I know you from somewhere? Doubt it. He leaves as Irving looks on. That evening, the guests begin to arrive at the Grimlock Tavern and are greeted upon entry by Miss Levine. The drinks are served at a cracking pace by Irving and everything is going smoothly. Miss Levine approaches the bar. Everything all right, Irving? Not one empty hand in the entire bar. Excellent, let's keep it that way. And the food? Everything is running on time. The guests are enjoying their entrees and the mains will be served shortly. Do the flowers at the tables look all right? I paid the florist extra, but... Madam, everything is running fine. You must learn to relax a little and let the evening take care of itself. Why don't I pour you a drink? No, thank you. I suppose I should tell you that the man from last night, the one who entered quite late and was gone by morning, came in again a short while ago. Oh? This time he drank his drink quicker than usual. A double. Couldn't have lasted more than a minute. Irving, lots of people drink their drinks quite quickly. Yes, madam. But he made a joke about tonight's event being the very reason he may have suddenly appeared in town. I see. Let's not think any more of it. As you say, the night is running fine and we should just focus our attention on keeping it that way. As the night wears on, drinks flow, laughter echoes throughout the bar and the food is served and enjoyed by all guests. <laughs> oh, Miss Levine! Tonight has been such a wonderful evening! The bar looks fantastic, and the renovations are wonderful. I wonder how you managed to keep such a healthy business alive and still keep such a trim figure. Harold! What? I'm simply paying the young lady a compliment. I'm sorry, dear. Harold always gets this way after a few drinks. I do not! You do! Harold, now shut up! Don't listen to him, dear, although he is right on one thing. You do keep a business alive and running very well and all with no help from a man in your life. Very impressive. What's your secret? Oh, hard work and a bit of fun along the way. It's what keeps us all alive and moving, isn't it? Oh, you're not wrong there, dear. Harold, 
Cut your food before you eat it. We aren't animals at the bloody zoo. Miss Levine mingles with the crowd. Irving continues to serve drinks and merriment is rife within the local hotel. Things could not be going smoother. Meanwhile, outside, the storm has returned and drenches the town of Grimlock. In the pouring rain, the mysterious man walks. A dark figure, he paces hurriedly through the empty town. He is not deterred by anything. Meanwhile, in the Grimlock Tavern... You know, I have dined all over the world, and I must say the food here is among the best I have ever tasted. Thank you. We have a wonderful chef who takes great pride in his work. Sublime. Exquisite. We will most certainly be telling our friends and spreading the word for you. Any kind words are always greatly appreciated. And please, next time you call in, be sure to mention that you've attended this evening and I'll have Irving serve you complimentary drinks. The night could not be going any better. Suddenly, a dark figure enters Miss Levine's eyesight and appears at the window with a companion. The very sight of the man forces Miss Levine to freeze completely. Are you all right, Miss Levine? (gasps) Later that night, the mysterious man drinks at another local bar. He is soaking wet, but not phased at all. He sits at the bar and orders his usual drink as the bartender all too happily serves him. <laughs> so so I, I'm driving my old beat-up car through town when suddenly <laughs> it decides to stop without warning. I can see smoke coming up from under the hood. And that's, that's when I realize I am definitely in trouble. It is pouring rain outside. I can't see further than five meters in front of me, even with my headlights on. Meanwhile, I've got a date that night and no other clothes to change into. Another drink? Oh, please. Anyway, this girl is expecting me at any moment. Now I am drenched, covered in mud. So, What did you do? Well, the car was cooked, so I went on a date anyway. (laughs) Walked all the way through town until I reached her house. Turns out she likes the strong, moody types. Isn't a fan of the fair after all. So we stayed at her place and made love all evening. (laughs) You are one lucky man. What brings you into town? Business or pleasure? Why not a bit of both? Never thought I'd see you walk in here. Double bourbon. Neat. Thank you. It is Irving, Miss Levine's bartender. Put it on my tab. No, thank you. I won't be staying long. And yet you're ordering a double. Let's just say I learned from the best. And with a sly grin, the mysterious man gulps down his drink. Another please, barkeep. You were there tonight, weren't you? What do you want? Me? Nothing. I'm just in town for a short while. What's the harm in seeing my surroundings before I move on? Miss Levine has worked very hard to get where she is. If anything should happen to what we've got... Are you threatening me? I'm promising you. If there are any more disturbances, then your stay in this town will be even shorter than you've already planned. 
Irving gulps down his drink and with one swift motion places the money on the bar and turns to leave. She's not what she seems. I get the feeling you're not either. The mysterious man continues drinking in the bar until the early hours of the morning. The next day, he wakes from his sleep. There is a naked woman beside him, covered by a bedsheet. Not an unusual ritual for him after a night of heavy drinking. As he readies himself for the day, he cannot help but look in the mirror at what he has become. He is unshaven, smells of alcohol, and hates the image of the man staring back at him. Nevertheless, he continues on for the day. He walks into town, his eyes affected by the bright sun. He notices a sign at a local mechanics looking for staff. Can I help you? Your sign says you need workers. Well, I'm here to work. You need to fill out an application, provide your details, name, address, things like that. How much do you want to forget all of that? Look, I am old enough to know my way around a car. It's been a while since I was in a garage, but I'm sure I can pick it up again. What's your name? Terry. Okay, Terry. Well, I'm inclined to give you a shot, and God knows there haven't been many people interested, but I will need you to fill out an application. There's my application. You don't even know the pay rate. Don't need to. Whatever it is, I'll take it. If you don't like what I'm doing at the end of the day, fire me. Meanwhile, Miss Levine walks through the town. She's dressed proper as always, and her first stop is the local police station. Miss Levine, good morning. You look as radiant as ever. Thank you, Officer Kennard. May I have a word? Of course. Let's go into my office. And please, call me Bert. Is anything the matter, Miss Levine? You seem a bit off colour today. Well, actually, yes. How did the reopening go the other night? Oh, wonderful. The guests enjoyed themselves and Irving was incredible as always behind the bar. Excellent. Excellent. But that's actually the reason I came to talk to you. Okay. What's on your mind? I'm afraid that my visit is because I fear for my safety. A little into the night, I saw a dark figure appear in one of the windows of my bar. It was pouring rain, but I'm sure it was a person I once knew from my earlier years, and he had a companion with him. I haven't been in contact with this person for quite some time, and for good reason. He is dangerous. In fact, our last meeting was him assuring me he wouldn't return to this town ever again. And yet, last night I could have sworn I saw him looking in on me. And you're sure it was the man from your past? I'm positive. I could never forget such a face. And what would you like me to do about it, Miss Levine? Arrest him. Miss Levine, it's not a crime in this town to simply look through a window at someone's place of business. Has this man done anything to threaten your safety? Him being there last night threatened my safety. Did he say anything to you? Well, no, but... Then I'm afraid there's nothing further we can do. Bert, I am certain that he is dangerous. Last night the look on his face was like nothing I had ever seen before. Miss Levine, the best I can do is take down a description of this man and tell my officers to keep an eye on him. Until he does anything illegal, though, I'm afraid my hands are tied. I understand. Unless there is something you're not telling me, something that perhaps I can follow up on and speak to this strange man about? Miss Levine? No. There's nothing else I can give you at this time. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have wasted your time today. 
Miss Levine leaves the police station and composes herself before heading to her next stop for the day, the local mechanic. Good morning, Miss Levine. Good morning. I'm afraid your car isn't ready just yet. I'm sorry, but with my shortage of staff, things have been a little tough around the workshop as of late. That's quite all right. Do you know how long it will be? Let me check for you. Hey, any updates? Sorry. New mechanic tends to be in his own world sometimes. Keeps to himself a bit, not a huge talker. Let me check for you. Thank you. As Miss Levine waits with anticipation, the new mechanic and the store owner are heard talking. They enter the shop as the new mechanic wipes his hands. He and Miss Levine lock eyes. Miss Levine, meet our newest staff member, Terry. He's been hard at work all morning on your car and assures me it'll be ready by this afternoon. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you for working on my car. I'll be around to collect it by 5pm. A moment passes. Miss Levine and the mysterious man have not broken gaze and continue to look on at each other in a mixture of both shock and anger. Miss Levine quietly leaves the store. What was that all about? Nothing. I'll continue to work on Miss Levine's car. Back so early, Miss Levine? Not now, Irving. I'm going to retire to my room, and I don't expect to be disturbed until later this evening when our guests arrive. Miss Levine, in quite a state, retires up the stairs into her room. Irving follows her. Miss Levine? Not now, Irving. I said not now! What's going on? Nothing! You've been acting strange ever since that man showed up, and now you're in your room and hiding. This isn't you. This isn't the Miss Levine I know. He's dangerous, Irving. It was a long time ago. We were young and ran away together after each of our parents had disapproved of our relationship. Oh, you should have seen the way he treated me. Always bringing me flowers, taking me out dancing and being the life of the party. He was supportive of my ideas to eventually have a business of my own, something my parents disapproved of. We felt there was no point in staying. The town didn't accept us, so we moved here to Grimlock. At first, everything was fine. He was very attentive and caring. But then he began drinking, heavily. His father was dying of cancer, and he had banished him from ever seeing the family again. He made many attempts to contact them through letters and calls, but no one would acknowledge him, except for his sister, Margaret. But even she couldn't do much. He had disappointed his family by being with me. There were some nights where he wouldn't come home before the sunrise. His father passed away, and soon after so did his mother. He never got to see them, and he was heartbroken. I did all I could to support him. Meanwhile, I'd gotten a job here in the bar as the bartender. It was my only escape. We had begun drifting apart. He would always say that we weren't and that I was being silly, but I knew that it was true and that my feelings had changed. How can you love a man who loves liquor more than you? 
I began feeling sick at the thought of him coming home, smelling of alcohol or cigars and sleeping all through the day while I worked. Why didn't you leave him? I couldn't. I was terrified. I knew no one in town. No one saw the dark side of him, only I was ever shown that. That's when the bar hired someone new. A young man. A very, very handsome young man. His name was Anthony. He was playful and charming and dressed very well. He reminded me of my husband in his early years when we had first met. We connected right away and he paid me the attention I'd very much been lacking. And when my husband was out of town one night, we went out dancing. It had been years before someone had shown me the kind of love and attention he paid me. We laughed, we drank, and at the end of the night... You didn't. I wanted to. He told me it wasn't right. He was a faithful man, not about to ruin anyone's marriage. He was the perfect gentleman. We continued to work together behind the bar, laughing like young kids in love, all the while maintaining that everything ran smoothly. Well, it wasn't long before word got around town and my husband found out. He sat in the far corner one night at a table in the dark, drinking heavily while watching us. I could have sworn someone was with him too. Do you know who it was? No. I couldn't quite make their face out. As the bar was closing, I retired to my room. On the way, Anthony had followed me as I had forgotten my scarf behind the bar. He handed it back to me right as my husband walked into the hallway. We must have touched hands longer than normal because he flew into a fit of rage, slamming Anthony from wall to wall as I screamed at the sight. He pushed me back into my room and closed the door while the fight continued. Poor Anthony didn't stand a chance. He beat him to a pulp. I thought he was dead. When my husband opened the door again to turn his attention toward me, I saw Anthony about to lunge at him from behind with a large object. I screamed. My husband turned around, but not in enough time to dodge the blow. He fell to the ground. I'd never seen him like that before. But the young man didn't stop. He hit him again and again to the point where my husband, this large man, cried out, Help me! I panicked. I panicked. After pleading for Anthony to stop, I picked up the closest object I could find and hit him over the head with it. He fell to the ground. That image has gone through my mind more times than I can count. What was I supposed to do? He was going to kill the man I loved. Did you go to the police? No. I was in such a state of shock that everything that followed after seems like a bad dream. We cleaned up Anthony's body and wrapped it in a bedsheet. Whilst my husband regained his composure and carried him away, I cleaned the room as best I could. Room number 12. What did he do with the body? I don't know. To this day, he has never told me and I have never asked. After a while, he came back into the room and we formed a plan. We weren't going to tell anyone, but we both agreed that we needed to separate for a while and he would leave town while the dust settled. I told no one. After a while, he began writing letters. He would tell me how much he loved me and that he missed having me by his side. I never wrote back, 
until they became more frequent and he began threatening to return to town and tell everyone our secret. He demanded money in exchange for his absence. You didn't pay him, surely? I did. By then I had risen to be the owner of the bar and I could afford to buy his silence. I also went back to my maiden name to create my own legacy. What else was I supposed to do? No one can ever know what happened that night. My reputation and standing in this town would be ruined. Why do you think he has come back? More money? I stopped paying for his silence a few months ago and spent the money on renovations. Oh, you won't tell anyone, will you? No. Thank you, Irving. You're the only person I can trust. Even though you've only worked for me a short while, I feel like I've known you from somewhere before. I best be getting the bar ready for the guests this evening. After a short while, Miss Levine readies herself and goes down to the local mechanic to pick up her car. As expected, she can see the mysterious man in the workshop, but this time she is prepared to face him. Ah, Miss Levine, welcome back. My new mechanic's just putting the finishing touches on your car. Was anything the matter before? No. I just remembered I had some other things I had to take care of. It's been quite a day. Of course. Well, just let me go to the back and see if he's done. Has he said anything about me? No. Why? Has something happened between you two? Because if so, say the word and he'll be out on the streets. No, don't do that. Don't mind me. I'm just being silly. And it's been quite a long day. I'll wait here for my car. Thank you. The mechanic goes to the back. After a moment, he returns. He says it's finished. You can go around the side and pick it up now. Thank you very much. Miss Levine hands him a check and leaves the shop. As she goes around the side, she can see the man wiping down her car with a rag. The finishing touches. She approaches him. Thank you very much. Let me get the door for you. After a moment of hesitation, she gets in. I miss you. Please don't. Can we talk? I want you out of town. <laughs> That's not going to work for me. I've decided that I like it here. The place has changed a bit, but I'm sure I can adapt. Please. What about what I want? You know, it's not really easy to be banished from a town you've settled into and blamed for the murder of a young bartender. That was you! Yeah, well, I wasn't really alone that night, was I, Miss Levine? What do you want? You stopped making your payments. And why did you deposit the money in my account the other day? It was a way of letting you know I was here other than looking in on you. Business has been slow. That's why I had the reopening. Once the money has been processed, you'll get what you're owed. Meet me at the bar tonight and we will settle this. I'll be there. Who was with you the other day at the bank? An old friend. As Miss Levine drives away, the local mechanic comes outside. Everything's sorted with Miss Levine? Everything's been sorted. Good. Because that's the last job you'll be doing for us. Here's your final paycheck, including your wages for the rest of the day. Get your things and get off my property. Excuse me? After the exchange between you and Miss Levine earlier today, I decided to do a bit of a history check on you. You mentioned that you'd work for a mechanic in the next town. However, when I rang them, there's no record of a Terry Bates working there. In fact, when I rang around and asked my other friends, 
No one has even seen or heard of you either. Don't do this. It's already done. I don't know what's happened between you and Miss Levine, but you're definitely not strangers to each other. Whatever it is, though, Miss Levine is a very respected member of our town, and I won't have anyone harassing her. She's not what she seems. She's a liar, and she's clearly manipulated everyone. Leave my property. Now. Before I call the police. And with that, the man has been cast out yet again. He gathers his possessions from inside the garage and leaves. That night, the Grimlock Tavern is busy. You know, I've never been to this place before. I know, I know, I'm a little slow on the uptake, but really, what a fantastic bar. Oh, yes, indeed. And the owner isn't half bad looking either. Oh, really? Oh, that's her over there. The patron approaches the bar. My friend and I over there would like to know if you want to join us for a drink. Thank you, no. I'm working? See, that's exactly what I thought you'd say. Sarah, didn't I tell you she'd be working? <laughs> Look, I'm sorry about my friend. She's a bit slow on the uptake. Uh, what time do you finish? Late. I run the business. Oh, in that case, I'll have another bourbon. Neat this time. As Miss Levine pours the patron a bourbon, the mysterious man enters the bar, as they had previously arranged. Do you know that guy? Oh, who am I kidding? You probably know everyone in town. I'm familiar with him, yes. You don't seem too happy to see him. Here's your drink. Thank you for visiting. Enjoy your evening. And with that, the drunken patron wanders off. The mysterious man sits at a table in the corner. He looks a little more dishevelled after the events of the day. What's he doing here? He came to collect his payments. I'll tell him to leave. No, leave it. Please. He won't be in town for too much longer. How can you be sure? I'm going to pay him what he's owed and he'll leave. You don't owe him anything. He killed that man, not you. You can't live your life in debt to this monster. Irving, please keep your voice down. Just take him this drink and I'll deal with him later. Here you are. Thank you. And here's a little something for you. Aren't you here for her money? How can you afford to tip? What's your name, boy? Irving. She's really got you wrapped around her little finger, hasn't she, Irving? Enjoy your drink. I look forward to the day where I don't have to see you in this town anymore. She had me wrapped around her little finger once, before I realized who she really is. If I were you, I'd get out now. Say, don't I know you from somewhere? Let's just say you're not the only one in town trying to make up for their past. Look, I'm really sorry to interrupt your conversation, but I have to ask, is the owner of the bar single? Well, I don't know. I, I think she is. Uh, what do you think, Irving? After a moment, Irving leaves the table. The mysterious man and the drunken bar patron remain. Cheers! Two women! Here, here. The evening continues. Patrons enjoy their drinks, music plays loudly, and the mysterious man and his newfound friend enjoy a long evening of drunkenness. Outside, the mysterious man's companion looks in on the proceedings. Inside, the patrons are oblivious. Say what you will, but there's no way that your bourbon on the rocks is better than my straight single malt whiskey. 
Oh yeah? Well, why don't we order us another round just to settle this once and for all? Can I help you? No, I want her to serve me. What do you want? Two drinks, actually. One bourbon on the rocks, and the usual for me. Don't you think you've had enough? No, I think I'm just getting started, actually. I wish you would leave. Fine. Pay me what I am owed, and I will. Irving, can you cover for me here, please? Meet me around the side of the building. I've got your money. Miss Levine leaves the bar. The mysterious man and Irving exchange a glance before he returns to his table. Well, old sport, the bar has decided that I've had enough, so I'll be leaving you for now. No, stay. I'll go up and order us another round of drinks. No, thank you. The man puts his jacket on and walks around to the side of the building to meet Miss Levine. He stands in a doorway, the light from inside shining on him. After a moment, Miss Levine appears, an envelope in her hand. Here's your money, as promised. It's all there? It's all there. He reaches into his jacket and pulls out a lighter. What are you doing? I thought you said you were here for the money. And you believe that? <laughs> okay, it's not about the money. I have plenty. Then why are you here? I came back for you. We had our time. It's over now. I have a life, a life outside of you. I have my own business, a very loyal bartender. This is the world that I have created and I don't want you to be any part of it. I love you, Kate. And I loved you, once. Never again after that night, and as I suspect many months before, now I'd like you to leave, please just leave me alone. Miss Levine returns to the bar. The man is left standing alone in the pouring rain. It's done? Yes. He won't be bothering us anymore. I can handle things from here. If you'd like to retire to your room for the evening, I'll finish up. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Miss Levine retires to her bedroom. Or so she thinks. Irving continues to serve the few patrons in the bar who decide to stay until close. As the evening winds down, Irving goes up the stairs to Miss Levine's bedroom. Who is it? Me. Come in. The bar is closed and everything has been cleaned. Wonderful. Are you okay? I think so. He professed his love for me and told me he wasn't here for the money, but rather me. He wants me back. He burned the envelope full of money right in front of my eyes. You're not thinking of going back to him, are you? Of course not. I told him it would never happen again between us. And he assured you he would leave? Not exactly. Miss Levine? It's Kate. My name is Kate. Okay. Kate. This man is dangerous. Have you gone to the police? They can't help me. I feel as if you were the only one who cares, Irving. Then we need to do something about this. I know someone. He owes me a favour. No, I can't do that. He's dangerous, Irving. Miss Levine, I mean Kate, you've done everything you can. It's quite clear this man will stop at nothing until he gets what he wants. Let me do this for you. Please. And no one would know about it? Not a soul. 
He's very discreet. I don't know. Let me do this for you. All right. Make it happen. Irving? Yes, Kate? Stay with me tonight? The next morning, Miss Levine wakes. Irving is nowhere to be seen. She readies herself for the day and makes her way downstairs. The bar is empty. Not unusual for this time of morning at the Grimlock Tavern. Good morning, Irving. It's been arranged. When? Tonight, in this very bar. What? I cannot have that. If anything goes wrong, I'll be held responsible. Don't you realise this could ruin everything? It won't go wrong. As I said, he's very discreet. He'll be coming by at any moment for his payment. Are you sure your ex-husband is still in town? I'm positive. I saw the look on his face last night. He won't be going anywhere. Irving, I'm beginning to think we should call this off. Wait a minute. I recognise that man. He was in the bar last night. He asked me what time I finished work and tried to buy me a drink. Matthew, I'd like you to meet Miss Levine. Have you got the money that I asked for, Irving? I beg your pardon, Miss Levine. I hope you don't mind me doing a little research last night. But we hadn't decided that we were going to do this last night. You will have to talk to him about that. Matthew leaves. Miss Levine is in a mixture of both awe and confusion. I thought that- You deliberately went over my head, Irving. What if I had said no? Then you had the nerve to make love to me afterwards? Oh, you're despicable! I did this to protect you. I'm in love with you, Kate. Don't you recognise me? It's been years, hasn't it? To be honest, it took me a long time to decide whether to come back. I tried to start a new life after what had happened, but I could never get the thought of you out of my mind. The way we used to dance and make each other laugh. I've never had that kind of connection with anyone before or since. Of course, the years haven't been as kind to me as I look a fair bit more ragged now, but I hoped by us spending the night together that you would remember. Anthony? Yes, Kate. But you're dead. I should be. Your husband carried me to the next town and left me there. Luckily for me, I was rescued by a passerby. It took a while, but I've come to live with what happened. You only did what you had to do. In a way, you were protecting me, and now I've come back to protect you. I came back for you, Kate. You mean to tell me that all this time... I'm sorry, I... My husband took the blame for your murder! I know. I felt terrible about that until you told me what your life had been like, the drinking, the abuse, him being gone for days at a time. No one would blame you for wanting to get rid of him. You've already come this far. There's no turning back. I can't think about this now. We need to start preparing the bar for this evening. That night, the Grimlock Tavern is filled with patrons. Music and drinks flow. Irving is behind the bar as Miss Levine walks down the stairs in a stunning dress. She can see Matthew at a table, 
completely in character and downing drink after drink. Everything is going as planned, except for one thing. No sign of the mysterious man. Miss Levine approaches Irving. Hello. No sign of him? Not yet. He'll show. When he does, tell your friend to get it over with and we can all move on as if nothing happened. What about us? Good evening, Miss Levine. My, you're looking as lovely as ever. Just get on with it and be gone. Irving, pour him a drink, please. It is the mysterious man. This time, however, he is not as dishevelled as other days. In fact, he has cleaned up considerably. Miss Levine cannot believe her eyes. He looks as he did when they first met. A moment passes before Matthew leaves the counter with his drink and goes back to his table. Outside, the mysterious man's companion is again watching the proceedings from a distance. Back in the bar. What'll it be? Just a water for now, thank you, Irving. What? No single malt whiskey? No, thank you, I won't be staying long. What did he say? He ordered a glass of water and said he won't be staying very long. Let me go and talk to him. Thank you. What are you doing? Uh, I'm just enjoying a glass of water. Last time I heard, that wasn't illegal. Oh, other people might be fooled by your act, but I'm not. I lost my job at the mechanics. I'm sorry to hear that. What happened? Doesn't matter. You could tell there was something between us. Told me to stop harassing you. Seems like everyone is convinced I'm the bad guy, so... What's the point in trying anymore? I'm leaving tonight. I came to tell you that I won't be bothering you any longer. The man slides an envelope of cash across the table to Miss Levine. It's the last few months worth of payments. I don't deserve it. I'll mail you the rest from over the years in time, including what I uh, destroyed last night once I'm set up in the next town. You don't have to do this. Yes, I do. Goodbye, my darling. I thought it was you. You were here last night, except you've cleaned up very nicely. Miss Levine, two more drinks, please. One for me and one for my dashing, fresh-faced friend here. No, thank you. I won't be staying for long. Oh, leaving so soon? Come on, one drink for the road. It's on me. No, thank you. Miss Levine chases the man out to the front. I don't know what kind of sick game you're playing here, but you've succeeded in making me feel bad, if that's what you wanted. I just told you that I was wrong for everything. Jesus, Kate, for once in your life, can't you just accept things as they are? You better be getting back inside. You've got a thriving business, and, and I am happy for you. I truly... Am, but you've got to realize the situation you put me in that night. Oh, the situation I put you in! Tell me something, is there one person in this town that knows the truth about what happened? Or did you just let them believe it was your heavy drinking, abusive husband who mysteriously disappeared? I haven't been able to hold down a steady job for years. I can't even remember the last time I've slept in the same bed two nights in a row. He's not dead. I'm so sorry, Charlie. 
It's Irving. The young bartender from all those years ago is Irving. He came back to protect me. Miss Savine wipes the tears from her eyes before going back inside the bar. The man is left standing alone in the rain. Are you okay? I'm fine. Let's get on with the night, please. Miss Levine. What? I don't think he's leaving. And just like that, the mysterious man storms back into the bar, a cold look in his eyes. How about that drink after all, old sport? Now that's what I'm talking about! Matthew hands the man the drink he has already started. He downs it quickly. As the night wears on, Matthew and the man match each other drink for drink. You know, I think I was wrong about you. Bourbon is fun, but single malt whiskey really has its advantages. <laughs> oh, you're empty. Let me order us another round. Matthew takes the empty glasses back to the bar. Two more, please, barkeep. I've changed my mind. I don't want to do this anymore. Before the conversation can continue, Irving has already poured Matthew the next two drinks. Miss Levine notices Matthew open the top of his ring and pour a powder into the man's malt whiskey. The powder dissolves instantly. Now, where were we? Matthew, you are without doubt one of the most repulsive human beings that I've ever met. Here's to you. Cheers. But the man doesn't take a sip of his drink. He notices Miss Levine and Irving looking on, their anticipation perhaps a little more obvious than they realize. You know, perhaps you are right about bourbon after all. I'm sure it's got its advantages. How about we swap for this round? Oh, no, we were already however many rounds in. What's the point in switching now, eh? You know what? You're probably right. <laughs> Do you think I'm an idiot? I'm sorry? The man is now in a blind rage. Bar patrons try to intervene, however he cannot be stopped. And with his now inebriated state, tall stature and strength, he throws them to the side easily as he makes his way towards Matthew again. Matthew, still in shock but wanting to get out of danger's path, hurries to his feet and out the front of the bar. The man follows and soon catches up to him. Onlookers have gathered and watched the drama unfold. Bar patrons race outside, followed by Miss Levine and Irving. In between punches, Matthew pleads for his life, but the man is not letting up. Please stop. It wasn't my idea. Shut up! You think I didn't see that powder in my drink of the bar? I wasn't born yesterday, kid! They put me up to it! What? Yeah, that's right. Miss Savine and Irving, they paid me to do it. They want you gone. That is all the man needs to hear to stop his merciless attack. With a sudden realization, he leaves Matthew on the ground. He stands before turning his attention back to the bar and with Miss Levine and Irving firmly in his gaze. Miss Levine, go back inside! Run! In a panic, Miss Levine runs back inside and upstairs towards her room. Irving decides to stand his ground as the man approaches. You're not gonna hurt her anymore! I should have known it was you. Get out of the way, boy! I'll deal with you later! No! However good of a fight he believes he's putting up, Irving is no match for the man. The man knocks Irving off the front steps of the pub and to the ground. He re-enters the bar and produces a knife as he looks around for Miss Levine, who is nowhere to be seen. He makes his way up the stairs, kicking in every door he can find along the way. Finally, he reaches Miss Levine's room. 
She has produced a gun to defend herself. Not another step! I'll do it, I swear! Who are you trying to kid, Kate? You made me believe that I had murdered that poor boy! Stay the hell away from me! Give me the gun, Kate! I'll shoot you, I swear! Give me the gun! Before the man can come any closer, Irving has recovered and jumps on his back in another attempt to stop him. Another struggle ensues. Irving is stabbed. I'm sorry, Miss Levine. For while he is violent, the man is not a murderer and cannot believe what he has done. He turns to Miss Levine. Kate, I... Miss Levine finds herself alone once more and surrounded by death. Her tears echo throughout the town as the people of Grimlock have gathered and have been listening to the drama unfold. As she stands in the room in shock, a figure emerges from behind Miss Levine's wardrobe. It is the mysterious man's companion. Miss Levine hears the footsteps and turns around, but it is too late. Hello, Kate. Margaret? It's been a long time. You had to know I'd never let you get away with this. That was you, with him at the bank. And at the window the other night. Yes. With our parents out of the way, I was now free to be the sister I'd always wanted to be. I insisted on returning with him to Grimlock. What he saw in you, I'll never know. I've always thought you were bad news. And when you let him think he had murdered that poor bartender, I knew I couldn't let you get away with it. <laughs> I couldn't save my brother that night. The image of him lying dead on the floor still haunts me to this day. But then I think about Miss Levine lying there lifeless and how I was able to exact my revenge. As I said at the start, this story is not for the faint of heart and no one is as they seem. Grimlock, Episode 1. Created, written, and directed by Louis Scamozzi. Produced by Alexandra Chambers. Starring Alexandra Chambers, Rosalind Hicks, Peter David Allison, Jeremy Burtonshaw, Billy Freeman, Simon Lee, Cooper Motlock, and Lauren Hamilton Neal. Sound design and editing by John Resk, Camille Picciatino, Emma Scott, Talish McKenzie of Sydney Sound Group.